from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Sin City, it's the SOC, the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports is back, and it is back with a bang, bonus style, mixed martial arts, UFC 246, and your boy BC on the ground in Vegas, ready to fill you up and fire you up with that performance enhancing audio, the one and only, I might add, okay, so put on the headphones. Prepare for ejection, injection, ejection, a lot of ejections, a lot of, a lot of bad things going on here, but get fired up for it. This is a bonus pod straight from Thursday's UFC 246 media day. We're going to have big time chats, also going to have big time reactions to some news overnight. A bunch of big time fights have been, everything's big time here, have been scheduled seemingly overnight. I'm going to give you a reaction to that. Reminder, please. Check out our full UFC 246 preview on the State of Combat pod with Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans. You don't want to miss that. And our instant analysis podcast late Saturday, early Sunday, right after those fights end. Your boy BC hopping on that microphone to break down what went on, what's next, all that good stuff. All that and then some tall, washed, and handsome. It is... <laughs> wow, it is your boy, BC. I did beat pneumonia, okay? I'm back, I'm back. I'm trying to beat Las Vegas. Las Vegas is trying to, trying to take me down. Always trying to take me down, I swear. You get up that plane, you got that hangover symptom thing going for 24 hours. Uh, it's trying to kill me, but I'm going to persevere. I am going to fight through. Look, we got big-time media day interviews with the likes of Showtime Anthony Pettis, Raquel Rocky Pennington, Alexa Grasso, Claudia Gadelha and Roxy Modafferi. And we did promise earlier in the week a one-on-one exclusive with gamebred Jorge Masvidal. Little shenanigans unfortunately got in the way. Look, this is a this is a shoot, okay? As they say, I'm gonna tell you the truth. We had one-on-one time all set up with Jorge at the UFC Apex at their their uh contender series building there, where they were holding Media Day. But Kamaru Usman was scheduled right after Jorge to be there. And after Jorge's media scrum, UFC said you cannot interview him on the premises. He needs to be gone. We cannot take the chance that there's any form of skirmish between Jorge and Kamaru. So that interview got shelved. Still working on getting that this weekend. If we secure that, you're obviously going to hear that on this podcast and see this, the video footage and all that. But to replace that for now... We got some of the best sound from Jorge Masvidal's scrum on Thursday to sort of react to what his future looks like and what he's saying. Before we get into that, all right, I gotta we gotta talk about what's been going on this week. It is UFC 246 week. Cowboy Connor, the return of the notorious, all that stuff. It's been a weird week. The buzz is there, but it's a muted buzz, and some of that, of course, is due to the weird sort of. Uh, mutual admiration society that's been going on between Donald and Connor here. This is not the typical Connor fire you the heck up, trash talking in your face. It's a reserved, humbled, uh, humorous Connor McGregor who's respecting Cowboy's warrior heart and snakeskin jacket more than he is sort of telling us that Cowboy's chinny or that he's washed. This is sort of a new Connor. You wonder if that is in reaction to the, obviously, the negative headlines he's uh, endured and, and pushed himself into over the past three years, including, obviously, the big one, the uh, the multiple sexual assault accusations in which, obviously, he hasn't been um, arrested on or charged with by any means, but it's still a, a big topic. 
And is that this is this in reaction to that maybe for good PR? But I also think this is a changed Connor to a certain degree. What kind of, what has changed mean? I don't mean you know if you hate him and think he's a despicable human that I'm telling you no 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 he's a great human. I you know I don't really know that. I know though that he seems happy just to be back in this spot to be away from some of those negative headlines and to be focused again on doing what he does best, which is fight. He's talked at length about wanting to fight three times this year. He has no shortage of giant goals. He wants the lightweight title, the welterweight title, maybe the BMF title. He's outspoken about the the talks and the potential of a Floyd Mayweather boxing rematch, of a Manny Pacquiao boxing match at Raiders Stadium. I mean, there's a, you know, this is Conor back being boastful and being, uh, you know, ambitious, but it's not a nasty Connor. And this really was a, a, a nasty Connor ahead of that Habib Nurmagomedov fight. So that change has been good. I'm hearing a lot of people, you know, in the media and beyond who are normal Connor. I don't want to say Connor haters, but are really tired of the Connor act going, hey, if he could be like this, like he is this week all the time, I respect the guy. So it's been interesting. You're not, you know, he's saying Connor, of course, you know. There's no bad blood, but of course, mark my words, blood will be spilled. You know, nice little catchphrases like that that says, look, you're still going to get the violence and the action on Saturday night. I just don't need to hate on Cowboy in the process. A little disappointed. I, yeah, from an entertainment standpoint, you have to be a little disappointed that the, the same notorious guy is not here. But at the same time, speculating what this change means for Connor in the octagon on Saturday has been interesting. So... That's really been the his side of things during the pre- final press conference during Thursday's media day. Cowboy has been more soaking up the moment. Um, you know what Cowboy's about. He's about big paychecks and fighting as often as he can and enjoying himself in there. And do I have fears that Cowboy's going to back up his own words and not take this fight to the ground and kind of play into Connor's hands and brawl and have fun? Yeah, that's who he is. And that's probably what's going to happen. But I did like the fact that he knows there's a narrative against him for not being able to win the big one. He's referenced it multiple times, and I loved how he ended the media scrum yesterday. By the way, he arrived at this media scrum in like a chopper, Harley-Davidson motorcycle with, you know, leather jacket, the skull, bandana wrapped around his face. All the media members ran outside to take videos of it as if, like, we were eight years old and the ice cream man pulled up or something. But Cowboy's Cowboy, and he comes in, and he's got the lumberjack jacket on, and and at the end he goes, you know, he drops some swear-driven sentence, but he goes, Cowboy will show up on Saturday night and drop the mic and walk off. And I felt that a big part of this fight week breakdown has been, well, you know, Cowboy is 36, and he's uh, sometimes a bit chinny, and he's coming off two straight knockouts, and that's all true. And I'm using that as fuel for my prediction that Connor wins this fight. But I did see a cowboy who said, no, this is the biggest fight of my career. And I'm going to go out there and bring it. I think it could be to his own detriment if he sort of goes in a one-dimensional brawling style. But we're going to see. It's going to be a fun fight no matter what. I'm happy that Cowboy's happy. I'm happy that he's in a great place and he's excited. And, you know, it's the same Cowboy. He says, win or lose, I'm going to be... Talking to Dana on Sunday before heading up to the mountains in snowmobile, and, and and that's what I'm about. So that is what he's about. Interesting fight week, to say the least. Did want to react. Got a bunch of news here. All right. Brett Okamoto, VSPN, reporting after talking to Dana White that UFC 248, which is March 7th in Las Vegas. Wow, wow, wow. Middleweight championship. Israel Adesanya will, in fact, defend the title against Yoel Romero. We know that it's Joanna, the boogie woman, against Wei Li Zhang in the co-main event of that card. Robert Whitaker was supposed to be on that card, but he pulled out recently uh, with what he's calling personal reasons. Needs some extra time off before he begins his, his true comeback after that loss to Adesanya. But the ball's on Adesanya, guys. You have to love it. You have to respect it. This fight has the potential for hellacious violence. And the fact that after Paulo Costa's injury, Stylebender's going out of his way to face the most dangerous guy available. Like he's basically saying, I know I'm I know I, I have it. I know I'm the real. And I want to add as many of these names on my resume as I can right now. And you know, somebody asked me over dinner last night, a high ranking TV executive I was sitting with at dinner. All right, I was sitting with my boss at CBS Sports, all right. 
<coughs> and you know we had to talk about like the future of the UFC and it. <coughs> oh, excuse me. If Connor, who is obviously the, the biggest star and has the potential in 2020 to do the biggest business, let's say he lost. Let's say he went away. Let's say he went to boxing. All that. Who's next in UFC? Who has the potential to rise up and be that next meteor for them? I, I still think it's Adesanya. And this is how you do that. You take on these type of fights and you boast and you win them. And I don't know if he can win this one. I can't wait. I hope I'm there to watch it. But what a time to be alive. This card is just these two fights alone. The women's title match and Adesanya Romero. This this is a fire card. I, I This is... I can't wait to see this. I love what Israel Asani is trying to do. And I don't know if anybody was following on Twitter in the last 24 hours before this was announced. Suddenly, I think it was Aaron Bronstetter of TSN tweeted that it looked like Paulo Costa was back in the mix in the discussions. And obviously, that seems like a UFC last minute negotiation trick. Remember when Habib was led on to believe he was getting Connor at UFC 205 in 2016? But. You saw the public video that Adesanya put out sort of laughing at it, being like, really? He's going to come back that quickly from from injury? But uh, this is the right fight, and they made it. So I'm fired up. I know Romero's had an interesting run lately. But, yeah, he misses weight. Yeah, he loses close decisions. But, you know, I thought he beat Robert Whitaker. I thought he beat Paulo Costa. He's in his early 40s. He's a freak of nature. I want to see this guy get sort of a fair shake. I know he's... Missed weight before in championship opportunities, but there's nobody like this guy. And the fact that Israel Adesanya is welcoming in, him in, oh, heck yeah. Uh, other fights that have been announced, how about this one? Give me this welterweight fight. UFC Fight Night in London, March 21st. Dana White confirms to Bird Okamoto that, in fact, that welterweight main event is Leon Edwards and Tyron Woodley. Wow. Love this fight. Wow. Both guys... Their most recent defeat is current champion, Kamaru Usman. And for Leon Edwards, he's got, what, eight straight wins? He's got the track record that says it's time to give him a giant fight where he can earn a title shot. But we know the truth here. Unless you're going to match him with Masvidal, he doesn't really have the marketing ability where you want to go out of your way right now to rush that. So this is the right fight for him to have to climb one more hill, similar to what Max Holloway had to do before he finally got a title shot, similar to what Tony Ferguson's doing right now. Sometimes it just happens that way. But we all want to see what Tyron Woodley still has. He he, he got dominated by Kamaru Usman, just straight up dominated. And hearing Jorge Masvidal talk yesterday, where he said, look, if if I know Tyron. Tyron's my boy. Tyron's a killer. If Tyron wasn't extra focused on rap albums and stuff, he would have beat Kamaru. I don't know if that's true, but this is Tyron Woodley's chance to come back and remind us who he is, and I'm very intrigued. This should be a great fight. I've been a big Woodley guy in this in the second half of his run. He's only lost once in five and a half years. He's He had that run where he really started to learn how to be as efficient as possible, beating guys at their own game. He can get himself right back into the mix here. And obviously on the flip side, Leon Edwards can... can Continue to prove to us that he may be one of the most underrated guys in the sport. Definitely want to see that. We got a third little bit of news. It's not official, though. But my boy Aaron Bronstetter did tweet it out, a report from a Brazilian website, that it looks like we could be really damn close to this idea actually happening for the Bantamweight title of Henry Cejudo and Jose Aldo. I know Aldo technically lost against Marlon Moraes, but... Eh, it could have gone either way. And Cejudo really wants Aldo. And seeing how Aldo has looked moving down to 135, it seems like all of us really, really, really want Aldo to get this shot. He could become a two-division champion if this fight is true. Wow. Uh, the specifics on this, it looks like, per the report from Combate, the Brazilian outlet, is that it would be UFC 250 in Sao Paulo. That would be May 9th. This is a badass fight. This is a badass fight. I know there's other guys that are seem ready. Aljo's coming back from injury. Peter Jan Peotre just had a giant win over Faber. You could say he's deserving right here. Hey, guys, didn't Aldo just lose? He did. But he's a legend. Sometimes you just got to make the most entertaining fights. And you put this fight in Brazil? Good Lord. This is big business. I want to see this. Only Jose Aldo can end the cringe. No, just kidding. Shout out to Henry Cejudo. This fight would be impressive. It would be awesome. It would be incredible. All right, we're going to start the business of uh, of the fine audio that I promised you right after we take a pause. 
for a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. And we're back. All right. Hey, BC promised you some Jorge Masvidal. We still may give you that exclusive one-on-one. It is tentatively scheduled at the moment this weekend, but I want to throw to some sound. Jorge did media scrum with all of us about what his future could look like. Let's throw to that right now. It's the game bread, the man, the 2019 fighter of the year, Jorge Masvidal. Come get some of that. Enjoy. No doubt. It, I hear people still talking about your BMF belt. Obviously, you've got it today. There's people out there that want to challenge you for it. I know it's the, the one of one, and it was supposed to be one night and done, but I got to ask you, do you ever see a scenario where you put that thing on the line against somebody? You guys know I'm a gambling man. So somebody wants this one right here, you got to put something up with collateral, something that it makes me go, yeah, that, that makes it worth me putting this up. I'm not just going to put this up for somebody to win and me to not win nothing after I baptize them. You got to give me something if I end your ass, you know? I mean, it could like financial or, or I, I don't know. It could be financial. It could be it could be many of things. You know, maybe certain individuals don't ever get to speak or do an interview if I whoop their ass the right way. You know, type of shit like that. I'll do, I'm 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 I work for the community, so I know for a lot of us, certain people shouldn't be talking no more. I like it. Well, listen, I'm sure you know that uh, after you today, we'll be speaking with Kamaru Usman. Uh, Who? <laughs> UFC welterweight champion. Uh, Listen, I spoke to Dana yesterday, and he said he thinks that's the fight right now to make it 170 pounds is you two guys for the for the belt. What do you think about that? Do you feel like that's the right next move for you at this time? I, I won't say it's not the right move. It's, Usman's a fight. Connor's obviously flirted with the idea of fighting me. And if, and if me and Connor go in the, in the octagon, what happens? It's one of the biggest fights in history. You know, just by math, proving what, what Connor's been doing. The last couple of fights that I've had, the engagement, the pay-per-views, I broke records with ESPN. So obviously it's a formula for success, you know. Somebody will always have the belt at 170 pounds. So it, it doesn't really matter if it's Kamal or not. Connor's a bigger fight. Now, if Connor doesn't do his job or Connor doesn't want to fight after his fight, then we're we're gonna take Usman's head off. So in an ideal world, if Connor wins on Saturday night, you'd prefer that fight over Usman for the belt? Yes, for a fact. We we'd smash up uh Connor and then go embarrass his actor of Usman. And last thing for me, ideally. When, whether it's that fight or not, when would you like to fight again? When, when will we see you next? Ideally, could be April, could be June. And then after that, we'll get the ball rolling hard and fast. It's just uh, just to make sure my hands are extra 100% good. I wouldn't want to fight no earlier than April. Uh, when I asked you in New York about McGregor, you seemed a little bit more apprehensive, like you were a bit unsure. But now that's definitely a fight you want. Why? Why is that? What's changed? Well, it's not that it changes. We didn't think he wanted to scrap in New York. We don't. I don't know what his plans are at the end of the day. Um, obviously, I want paychecks. I've been fighting 16 years. going to be 17 now this year. So I want to get the most money possible. I have children to take care of. I have myself to take care of. I, I got many things to do. So I got to make sure that the bank account is well padded. Then after that, whatever happens, happens, you know. And, uh, you know, Usman was mentioned before. What did you make of a title fight between him and Colby Covington? Pillow hands, both of them. I mean, I know a lot of you, the end result is this guy got his jaw broken, but he got his jaw broken because he's he's made out of glass. You know, Usman doesn't hit, and that's indicated in his record. I think he has two stoppages. That was his second one. And I give him props that on the biggest night of his life, he, he, he pulled off a second KO, and that's awesome. But if you're asking me from a technical standpoint, we're not in the same playing field when it comes to stand-up, and he knows it. That, that man can never look me in the eyes and say, I, I would stand with you. He's going to immediately magnetize on my crotch and, and do what he does, you know, avoid the fight at all costs. But we're ready for that. 
you mentioned that you know the big money fights are the ones that you want. For example, the McGregor fight. But I think a lot of people would agree that a fight between you and Colby Covington would probably bring in a lot of money. Is that fight at all on your radar? It's not on my radar. You got his jaw broken by the guy that I'm about to baptize. So I, after I'm done with Usman, the world will see the 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 vast. We're not on the same playing field with the skill level, man. We're not. We haven't been since we were in the gym as kids, and we're not definitely now. But the only way I could show that is when I get my hands on Usman. So I'll just wait till that day comes. Jorge, over here to your right, you've been uh, a fighter for a long time. You're an amazing veteran. You fought the best in the world. A lot of people wonder what what allowed you to step it up to the point where you're beating the best. Before you would beat some of the best, you'd come close. Was it the hair or is it something uh, more significant than that? What's what's made you become as good as you are now compared to, say, five years ago or even 10? Well, five years ago, I was pretty damn good already. I was being a lot of world-class guys consistently, and I just wasn't getting this, you know? Um, I I stepped back and, and I did more math in my head. And by math, I mean every situation that I won or lost in every training session, every every fight, how I felt before that fight and the results that I got, I, I did that over and over and over. And I put a formula together of what the best me is. And I just bring forth that person every time I compete, you know, based on my own experiences and, and the math that I've acquired. How important is the title to you, the, the actual welterweight championship? It's definitely important because it it says that you are the best. I I don't believe it some of the times. A lot of the times it's just promotional stunts. In this case, it being you know I'm I'm gonna prove it. I know there's the whole world saying that Usman will this or that, and me myself and I saying no, nah, I I he's not the champ. I'm I'm the champ and I'm gonna prove it when we get in there. You know, there's a reason why he doesn't want to fight me, and he says he wants to fight a guy that's ranked under me that he already beat. He says it's a tougher fight. Does, and how many stoppages does that individual that he's talking about have in his whole record compared to mine? You know, you guys ain't idiots, neither is the public. Usman can try to sell whatever he wants to the public, but people ain't stupid, man. You're a fucking idiot if anybody's going to believe this shit. You're saying you already beat that guy and he's ranked under me. How is he a tougher fight than me? Explain what what do you consider a tougher fight, me breaking your face or you possibly beating him? That That's what... uh. what I guess he's thinking, man, is he knows his time is up. And another thing I'll, I'll say while all the press is here, Usman's coaches that were in his corner for his last fight, sparring partners, all that stuff, is my graduating class from American Top Team. I think a lot of you might have known the Black Zillions. They're no longer with us, but they were a part of ATT. They used to be with us. So a lot of those coaches that he has in his corner right now are the same dudes that are telling him, don't fight that guy, bro. He's going to fuck you up, man. We know who that guy is. You know who you are. Fake the injury when the time comes because this one's not going your way. And that's... That's really the main reason why he doesn't like to address me because he knows, man, this shit is for real. Any idea how much longer you'll be in this game? Three years, my brother. Three years counting this one as one of them. Uh, in New York, you said you want to get your hands checked out after your fight. Is there any update on how that went? They got checked out. I won't be giving no like updates to the media. They're checked out. I'll be ready to compete by April. And I'm curious what you made of uh, a lot of people bring up your name to Connor, and he said the only reservation he would have is he felt – there was unfinished business with Nate. He thought you got the the fans missed out on a a, a classic fight. So I'm I'm wondering what your take is on those comments. I, man, Connor's a very violent person. If by classic it means me just whooping someone's ass to the to the referee that that makes a living off this, says this guy can't continue no more. Look at his face, you know. I'm I'm in for it though. I I just I won't wait for a rematch or or a fight with anybody in particular. Once. Me and my management decided we're going forth. We're going forth. We're not waiting for so-and-so to get cleared by USADA or somebody to have facial surgery. It's whenever I get cleared, whoever's there that's available for me to fight and get the most money possible, that's whose head's coming off. Easy. After the BMF belt, there was some buzz of uh, Nick Diaz. Uh, yeah, I'm over here. Sorry. Uh, what's up? Um, there was some buzz over Nick Diaz. Some people have question marks over if he's good to fight. He's been gone a long time. You guys almost fought a couple of years back as well. And when he put a poll out to your fans, he was a popular choice as well. So 
Is he still someone that would be on your radar? Would you be interested in that? And do you think he ever returns? Like I said, I'm not waiting for nobody, man. It's, I'm not waiting for nobody to get clearances, to get in shit. I, and I don't want to hear no excuses either when I compete with somebody. I haven't fought in eight years. I need a longer time. When you're ready, when you when you look in that mirror and you go, shit, I'm ready, man. I'm, I'm ready to climb this mountain. Call the UFC and they'll give me a call. And if my management and me decides that it makes sense, it's on. But me sitting out for anybody in particular, not happening. Especially, I just told you I got three years left. I won't be sitting out for nobody. It doesn't even matter, you know? What do you make of Conor at 170? Do you think he's kind of out of his weight class fighting at 170? Uh, he has some gifts, I think. His power won't be out. If he touches the anybody at 170 with, with a good, clean shot, they'll feel it. You know, they, they won't be like uh, walking through him. Strength-wise, he might be oversized, you know. He could be. I haven't seen yet if he's if he's really developed into his body at 170. And we're not going to see that with Cowboy because Cowboy's not a physical guy at 170, taking guys down and grinding them out. But I think we'll still be able to see his speed and power. Definitely what he'll bring is is that speed from 145, you know. The same way that at 70, I feel like I'm the fastest guy, but I also come from 155. So I've seen some of the faster guys on the planet. I, I've never seen a, a 70 guy that was just out of control fast, you know. Raider Stadium is opening up, and I know you're not waiting for a fight, but what would a fight with Conor at Raider, Raider Stadium mean for you? Oh, it'd be huge, man. I'm 60,000 people, I think it's it, or something like that. It'd be huge just to break the box office there and, and pop that cherry would be huge, you know? I mean, I'm not waiting for nobody, but if contracts are signed and the right money's in front of me, yes, I'll, I'll wait for an event like that. Fight week, international fight week or something like that, but a contract would have to be signed, th things of that nature, you know? That's what I mean by not wait for nobody. I'm not going to... Hope that somebody's in shape by November of this year and then maybe I get a fantasy fight. No, no, no. Things have to be signed in place. People don't show up the fight. Well, you got to still pay me type shit, you know? Last question. Uh, I know you're not waiting for anybody, but if the opportunity were at the same time to either fight Kamaru Usman for the title or Conor McGregor, which would you choose? Is it a money thing or is it a title thing? Okay. It, like I've said, it's a money thing, right? At first. But if I'm getting paid in food for the both of them for some reason right and it's the same food i like connor what he does in the ring i like i like all the eyeballs he's brought to the sport i like him more as a person usman i can't stand him man i can't stand that dude i'll be honest with you so i'll pick usman all day but it's business right always especially for me so i'd pick connor in the real life but if it's all the same potatoes and tomatoes i will break his fucking face man in a violent way. It just, and it's just, I, I, I don't like how he's been playing. At first, I, I came at him with a lot of respect. And uh, now he's been talking too much shit, bro. And I just want to shut his mouth up. That's it, you know? Uh, you said that April would be the the mo the earliest you can come back. Uh, Connor said yesterday that March is, is something that he has on his radar if he beats Cowboy quickly on Saturday. Would March be too early for sure for you? We'd have to talk. I have a, I have a firm behind me. I have coaches behind me. They know... Is what they would just say yes or no, you know, and then whatever they would say, I would do. We were thinking April, but if the chips fall into the right place, maybe yes, maybe not, you know. We're not in a rush either. Any talk about going into the cage, maybe if if Connor wins on Saturday, you guys do a little face off, anything like that? Nah, I'm not. Nah, I'm not doing that. That's that man's spotlight. Whoever wins that day, I'm not. I'm not the type of dude to jump in the cage or try to see his light. Let him have fun and enjoy his night, man. I'm just there to watch as a spectator. And as a fan, bro, I love fighting, man. You said that if you were to put up the BMF belt, Connor or someone else had to put up something else in exchange. So perfect ideal world for you. What would Connor put up if that belt's on the line? This one here in particular? Yeah. I actually gifted this one to my father. So he he's uh, very fond of this bad boy. We actually have to ask him permission to take it out. So I'd have to sit down with my dad and be like, what? Because he's a gambling man as well. And we just had to ask him, yo, what do we want to take from this fool? Because he wants his belt. So what are we going to like bet and stuff, you know? Any ideas? Private jet, anything like that? It'd be something. It'd be something of a nice, you know, I'd have a nice kick to it, you know. But it's my dad I'd have to talk to first. I couldn't even come up with those numbers. Very interesting stuff from the, the Game Bread man who was announcing and launching this week a new line of Mezcal liquor, which he is the brand ambassador for. So Jorge getting into that game should be interesting. He had a party publicly at the uh, Aria Casino there. This is Jorge <clears throat> knowing the power of his own brand, embracing it and going after it. And to hear his takes on things, I don't blame him. To him, a Conor McGregor fight is bigger 
than a title shot against Usman. Obviously, it's a much better matchup for him. He says he wants that first, and then eventually, inevitably, he will go after Usman. I love that Jorge is a businessman, and that he knows how hard he's worked to get here, and he knows how tough of a style matchup Usman is. And he's not saying he's not going to take it, but he's like, the money's a little bit more important for me right now, and the stardom, and he understands his own brand, and he's going to call his own shots, and he's not going to wait on anybody. I respect all of that. I want to see this guy in big fights. He's starting to have almost a McGregor-like run here where where when he makes these claims that I'm going to baptize this guy, I'm going to knock him out, and now he's doing it, and he's backing it up in such in-your-face, undeniable style. There's a little bit of magic here. I know we debate a lot if that magic is real, but momentum is real, confidence is real, and when your results are as explosive as Masvidal has been, the magic is there. Like, we just want to see this guy. We want to see what he can accomplish. Wow. Imagine if he fought Connor. Imagine if they waited until late summer and opened up that Raiders new stadium here in Las Vegas, 60,000 people. That'd be a cultural event. That'd be insane. So I hope for the best for Jorge Masvidal. I hope he gets exactly what he wants and needs, gets the right payment for it. And gets the fights that are perfect for his brand at this point. So, shout out to that indeed. Uh, this has been a fun week. It's been a weird week, but it's been a fun week. A lot of news floating around. A lot of potential news. You see Dana White talking about he did have meetings with boxing champion Clarissa Shields. He expects that she's going to make the move. Maybe not full-time, but make the move to UFC. Guys, she's only 24 years old. She's out of opponents in the boxing side in terms of the kind of opponents that would make us care. She's won titles in three divisions. I would like to see her, given her star power, her aggressive personality, I'd like to see her make a run at MMA. I mean, look at what Holly Holm has been able to do. I know she had a kickboxing background, but Shields is very athletic. She's a great boxer. She's got that amateur background. She's she's there's the weight could be an issue she's fought as recently in boxing as 154 which seemed to be the end her you know her ceiling so to speak on how low she can cut i don't know what you would do maybe make a super fight with her oh you know sort of a catch weight thing but i'd like to see her actually train and try this rather than just say okay six months from now i'm gonna fight amanda nunes in, in mma and i'm gonna get taken down and submitted and that's it I want to see her actually try this. That would be something that would interest me, whereas the remainder of her boxing fights, eh, not that interested right now until somebody else can rise up that you would care about. So we're going to throw to the sound that you came here to see, to hear, to feel. It's Showtime Anthony Pettis, the former champ. He's going to talk about his fight with Diego Ferreira. But I wanted to know some of the uh, more intriguing things. How many Wheaties boxes does he still have in his basement? Does he still dream about landing another Showtime kick? Is he trying to get in line for the Connors and Masvidal's of the world? That's a fun chat. Uh, Roxy Modafari, the happy warrior, just kind of did Roxy Modafari stuff in this interview. She's uh, she's an interesting cat. I respect her. She's uh, tries her best to talk tough with a smile on her face. And uh, she says she's going to derail the hype train that is Macy Barber. So this was interesting to hear. You're going to want to check that out. Nice little back and forth here between Alexa Grasso separately with Claudia Gadelha. Their women's strawweight bout is potential to be fire on Saturday. But what is fire was Claudia's reaction to me asking her about Ioana Young. Jay, check the boogie woman and their feud, their rivalry, their beef. Is it over? You're going to want to hear her reaction. Mark my words on that. And also very, very, very revealing chat. Rocky Pennington seemed as... I've interviewed her before. Sometimes she's been a little, I don't want to say edgy, but maybe edgy. She seemed at peace. She seems ready. She seems confident. If there's been talk about a live dog this week, it's been Raquel Pennington. She fought Holly home to a split decision way back. Holly's 38 now. Obviously, she's still, she's still elite. She's still in insanely great shape. But Rocky's a live dog, and she knows it. When we talked about how she retired Misha Tate. She's got similar plans here for Holly Holm on Saturday. Very, very interesting chat. She's very honest about what went wrong 
not just in the title loss to Amanda Nunes, but the preparations, how quickly she came back from injury, all that stuff. You're going to want to hear all this stuff and enjoy. We love bringing the sound to you. It is UFC 246 week. It is your boy BC giving you what you need, giving you what you love, giving you what you deserve. Enjoy. UFC 246, Anthony Pettis, the former lightweight champ, moving back down to 155 against Herrera. What's at stake for you in this fight? Uh, man, honestly, not much. People are counting me out. They think I'm losing. I'm, I'm the underdog already. Um, I'm, just, I'm just out here to have fun. Are you at that point in your career where you want to be back in the title picture? You also want to make big-time money. You want to call out those big-time names. You want to sort of match yourself in as fun a fight as possible. No, I already did all that. <laughs> I did the big names. I did the all the the world title shots. Um, I definitely want to be back in the world title shot, but there's there's different ways of doing it, man. It's a, it's not just being the best. You got to be popular. You got to sell fights. You got there's so much that comes along with that side of it. But um, at this stage of my career, I'm really focused on just my mental health. You know, I really want to be in my own head and and seeing the growth as a fighter and a martial artist. I, I I did the media. I did the the, the sponsors. The, the I did. I've done it all. My, I'm 13 years as a professional in this career. Um, at this stage of my career, it's really about my mental health, and I think I attach to that so well this camp. What type of challenges for Eric bring to the table for you in this one? Jiu-Jitsu. Um, he has really great Jiu-Jitsu. He does mix it together very well. Great gas tank. Um, he's a, he's a full fighter. You know, he's a full fighter, but he's never fought no one like me. Um, he's definitely motivated. He's hungry. Uh, I'm expecting the best version of him, but I'm gonna mentally beat this guy. All right. You've had a lot of highs in your career. Good God, the cover of a Wheaties box. How many Wheaties boxes do you own right now? I got like a ton of them, man. Like I, they gave me like a thousand of them that weren't like made, so that's like one-offs. But um, I still have all the highs, biggest highs in his career, lowest lows in his career. But I, I love it. We saw you put up, pull off some really wild stuff against Diaz, right? We saw the, the crazy attempts at things. Will there ever be a second Showtime kick? That, that lives up to that Benson Henderson one. I don't know if it would live up to the Ben Henderson one. I mean, I land that in the fifth round of a title fight. You know, that's like, and I won the world title with it. So I don't know if it add up to that, but um, I'm looking for them. You know, like, it's not like I'm not looking for showtime kicks. It has to present itself. These guys are pressuring me a lot more, so it doesn't allow me to get that, them, them flashy kicks off. So that's why you see a lot more hands coming from me. But this time I, I, I've learned some, some, some stuff that I need to, you'll see it in this fight. Was that first showtime kick ever a curse for you? Did you ever feel like you had to live up to that? No, not at all. No, I mean, I, I knew it was beautiful. I mean, you watch it now. It's something that's is, is written in history. It's like you can't write a better story. It was tied going into that round, and I and I pull it off and win the fight. So, no, nah, it was beautiful. Honestly, was there any part of you that was hoping, hey, maybe Cowboy steps on a rusty nail and you're fighting Connor on Saturday? No, nah, man, I don't wish that upon anybody, bro. Like, I, I know how important it is for us to feed our families, man. I don't I don't wish anybody to pull out of fights. But uh, I was happy for him. Now, I'm, I'm happy Cowboy got that chance. He deserves it. He's been around for a long time. It's, it's, it's like... A two-fight losing streak and the best thing that ever happened to him. You know what I'm saying? So happy, good for Cowboy. You know? Who wins that fight? I, I keep saying the same thing. Early rounds, I'm giving it to Connor. Later rounds, Cowboy gets more and more of a chance. You know, especially if he mixes in his wrestling and his jiu-jitsu, and he's, he's got some skill. All right, give me one name to close here. If you get by Ferrer on Saturday, who are you going after? Who do you want at this point in your career? Damn, it's so hard to say. You know, I, I literally haven't looked. This is the first time I'm like so focused on one guy. And it's weird because. That guy doesn't even have a big name. You know, it's, I've, I watched his tapes. I watched his his wife and him training and his his family and everything. And I've, I've, it's weird. I haven't I haven't watched an opponent for a long time, but for some reason I was interested. All right, all right. Maybe BMF one day. Nah, Jorge's that the champ for that one, man. I, me and Jorge are boys. Maybe I don't know if it's if it's something he wants to do. I mean, but we're friends. It's it's weird. Best of luck to you, brother. Thanks, bro. UFC two forty six. Raquel Pennington just days out from your co-main event bout against Holly Holm. The rematch. How are you feeling right now? I'm excited. I, uh, you know, I just feel calm. I feel relaxed and just embracing fight week and hanging out. All right, let's go back to that 2015 bout. It was Holly's UFC debut. You were early on at the time. Split decision could have gone either way. What do you take from that experience now almost five years later? You know, everything is a learning point. It's a stepping stone. Um, that's been one fight that has truly motivated me. It was a fight that there was so much hype going into it. And, I mean, you have this girl coming in who's well-known. She's a champion in multiple other places. Um, so there was a lot of pressure. And then on top of that, you had uh, the first ever female, um, like, headline. It was a main event, a uh, female fight, and then co-main event. So there was just a lot of things going into everything. But, you know, I mean, like I said, everything's a learning point. And that was something that just, it really motivated me the second she got her hand raised. Um, and it's kind of been my mission five years later. From the 
standpoint of good or bad when you look back on that fight? What did you do good? What, what would you have changed? You know, I wouldn't have changed everything it, or anything. It was my second fight into the UFC. Um, so still growing and whatnot. And I think that we all have our own journeys planned out for us. And mine may not be right to the point, but it's been a fun journey. And there's a lot of things that I learned from there. And there's a lot of things that I had the chance to grow on and whatnot. So here I am. So for Holly Holm at 38, just coming off a title fight in which she was knocked out in the first round, do you feel like you're catching her at a good time? You know, I, I don't care how old she is. I don't care what it is. She's she's a solid opponent. She's a solid athlete. She was a former champion, and it's a revenge that, for me, it's something that I wanted to go out there and revenge my loss. So that's my main focus, and I feel like I deserve that win the first time around, so I'm going to get it the second time around. Who has changed and or evolved more from that first fight between you and Holly? I feel like, I mean, me, I feel like I've definitely grown. I've experienced a lot, um, and I've just had the opportunity, the opportunity to truly mature throughout my fight career. What You went to the title level. You fought Amanda Nunes. You came up empty. What type of mental rebuilding process goes through after that to try to reload and, and begin that chase back up the title ladder? You know, there's a lot that went into that. There's a lot that just, I was on a winning streak. I mean, the fight with Holly kind of motivated me. I went on to a four-fight winning streak, and then I had to go into an 18-month layoff. I had major surgeries. Um, that totally changed my world. I thought it was going to be a totally different comeback. I thought throughout surgeries, I would be able to perform differently in the gym and kind of just stay active in different ways. But I turned into a little couch potato. Um, and, you know, it just took a huge toll on me. So coming back and then um, having to go into such a high-profile fight right away, that was something hard to do. And then I ended up breaking my leg. So it was just one thing after another, just beating on my soul. And I like, I rushed myself to get back out there. And then on top of that, I had to go back into the world title fight. Was nowhere near ready for it, just physically. My leg was nowhere near ready. And we all saw it. Amanda caught me within the first round, right in my leg. Uh, and after that, I turned into a defensive fighter and basically took an ass whooping. But that was something that really worked for me because it showed me what I really need to do for myself, where I really needed to reset um, and I've had that opportunity, and so now I feel like myself again. You know, all credit to Amanda. She's the greatest of all time, but she's kind of running out of opponents. What do you think a victory over Holly Holm, where would it place you in terms of getting back in line for a title shot? I think this victory is going to set me right back up there, and I feel like I truly deserve that shot, and I definitely want another run at it. Now, given that you're friendly with Amanda outside the cage, is it hard to get as wired up for revenge? You know, I've always been an athlete my whole life, so it's it's a competition at the end of the day. Um, me and Amanda, we met years ago, uh, and we developed our friendship and stuff, but at the end of the day, she has what I want, and so there, there's a difference. you got to separate it. It's kind of the same thing, you know, I mean, when I fought Misha Tate, she was my coach on The Ultimate Fighter, and then we developed friendship. I helped her train for her second fight against Ronda Rousey, and then all of a sudden, she became my opponent. So that's the sport. It throws a lot of curveballs at you, and that's the emotional part, and you have to learn how to compartmentalize certain things and work with it all right in closing you mentioned the misha tate fight you sent a legend to retirement a former champion could the same thing happen on saturday night that's my game plan we'll see what happens thanks so much thank you Quaja gadella ufc 246 big fight against alexa grasso and you have made some big changes in your career over the last year catch me up on those i've been training the east coast you know um be freezing my ass over there in the winter right so cold but um it's definitely worth it um vegas is home for me but i'm getting out of my comfort zone and and going all the way across the, the country to get good training i've been training with mark henry and, and ricardo almeida it's been amazing i feel like i'm evolving a lot as a fighter and as a person and i'm happy with that what, what was the point the turning point where you said i got to make some changes if i want to continue down this road of chasing that title um so I moved to the States three years ago and I didn't know where to go or what to do, you know, and um, I feel like now I found the, the great people to surround myself with. And that, that's, that's it. How has your game changed from this? I feel like I'm evolving, getting better, getting better every day. I feel like something new comes up every day. I'm learning something new every day, and that's the big change. All right, you're a veteran of this division. We're going to see a title shot coming up when... Zhang Wali faces Joanna, your old nemesis. Who wins that fight? I would say Joanna. She's more experienced. If if somebody has to give Willie a, a hard time right now, Joanna is the one. Is your beef with Joanna done? Could we see a third? No. 
Three times is a charm, man. I want to do it again. Title or no title, no matter what? No matter what, I want to do it again. All right, I love that passion. Uh, this fight on Saturday against Alexa Grasso, what type of uh, fight do you think it's going to look like? Uh, Alexa is a good boxer, you know. She has good stand-up, um, but I fought the best strikers in the game, right? Like, I'm not, like... I'm not surprised with what she's going to bring to the Octagon Saturday night because I already saw it all. You know, I fought Joanna and I was champion for a while. You know, even Nina Ansaroff, you know, it's a great striker. So um, I feel like she's going to try to stand with me and I'm I'm ready for that. Right. That Joanna rematch, by the way. You were close. You were close. Right. You dominated those first couple rounds. I did, and I want to do it again, man. I feel like I got this. All right, maybe a win gets you there. Best of luck on Saturday. Thank you. All right, UFC 246. I'm talking about Alexa Grasso in a can't-miss fight against Claudia Gadelha. What is it about this division, women's strawweight? Every fight is through the roof exciting. Yes, it's a very explosive division. We are all very active, explosive, and talented, so it's amazing to be in this strawweight division. All right, you come from Mexico. Huge boxing culture. What was the turning point where you said... I want to go to MMA. I want to go to UFC. Well, um, yeah, everybody knows that I'm a good striker, but I like to do, to improve all the time, to get better, to be uh, able to have more weapons to add to my game. So this is the this is the place to do it. Tell me about that fight with Carla Esparza. All action, wild. It could have gone either way. I thought you had a chance to win that. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, it was amazing. You know, it was a great challenge for me. She's. Uh, a uh, great uh, wrestling athlete, which is very, very, very good. But, you know, I show it that I am good, too. Uh, I've been training all these years so hard to be at this level, and I show it that my jiu-jitsu skills are getting better, too. I've seen your improvement. I feel like you're one giant win over a big name away from making that splash. Could Claudia be that name on Saturday? Yes, of course. What type of fight are we expecting? Is she going to take you to the ground? Or- all her fights, she like she she does the same like kind of every every fight. So yeah, I'm expecting that she wants to take to take me to the floor. But I'm ready for that. You know, maybe all the girls in the past have done like no 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 jujitsu no jitsu with her. But why not? You know, I want to be a black jujitsu uh, black belt jujitsu one day too. So this is the opportunity to show my skills, to show my evolution. Do you think her stand up can compete with yours if the fight stays on the feet? Yeah, I saw that she's improving her her striking too. Her last fight, she only did jiu-jitsu, which is very rare. But yes, I'm I'm expecting the best version of Claudia. All right, this is a big opportunity for you. Las Vegas, Conor McGregor card. Everyone's going to be watching 246. What do you hope American fans learn about you? Well, I just want to show everybody that I'm very in love with the sport, that I'm very committed in my my passion, and that I'm improving every time I step on the on the octagon. All right, final prediction. What's it going to look like? We're going to finish here. What's this? What's going to? What's going to be the ending of your fight with Claudia on Saturday? Well, I don't know how it's going to be the ending, but if you are expecting the corner and cowboy, just just wait for us. <laughs> Best of luck to you. Great chat. Thank you. UFC 246, the featured preliminary main event, a women's flyweight bout you can't miss. When Macy Barber takes on this happy warrior right here, Roxanne Modafferi, I don't want to date people our age, Roxanne. Okay, I'm in the same boat as you. But when you made your pro debut in 2003, your opponent on Saturday was five years old. How do you put that into context? It's kind of funny. I like talking about it, actually. You know, I've been training martial arts for longer than she's been alive. However, you know, I totally respect her. You know, when I was coming up, uh, I beat an older, more experienced, top-ranked woman in my division. So you never know, right? This is, uh, I mentioned, like the perfect... Except, except I know I'm going to win. Well, there you go. This is the perfect crossroads fight in the fact that you're the veteran title challenger, been fought all over the world, and she's 21 with three UFC fights under her belt, although spectacular ones. How much is experience going to play a factor from your side in this fight? Uh, not so much experience, I think, but the fact that I'm always in the gym training really, really hard every day, learning new techniques, refining my old ones, um, doing strength and conditioning. Like, I think that I've done a decent job of managing to improve and grow and keep myself relevant and in the top 10. So that's going to be the key, I think. <laughs> when you look at what she's been able to do, though, she's aggressive, she's ferocious, she stops people. How do you combat that? I'm dangerous, too. Is there ever a time when the warrior gets unhappy? When I'm hungry and when my schedule gets messed up. <laughs> all right, all right. See what happens there on Saturday night for sure. I don't know if I've ever seen you in a trash talk war. That, that's, 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 there's a reason behind that, right? 
I'm going to derail her hype train. See, that's what I was going to bring up when I heard that. That was about the the most trash talky I've ever heard Roxy get right there. And she said, of course, that train's going to run over you. Do you have a response for that? She can try. Dang it, that wasn't as good. I need I, I need to was tough. I need to prepare. It was the delivery. Practice. We can work on that, right? <laughs> Tune in. It'll be a good fight. We know what's in this fight for her. This is a close-up. This is a, hey, is she going to be ready? Is she the real? Is a title shot in her future? What's at stake for you, though, in this one? You know, coming off of a loss, everything's at stake. So I'm trying not to think about that. You know, just trying to focus on the fight and my techniques. There's a thought that this division with Valentina Shevchenko on top doesn't really have a a lineup of people that, well, she's got next, she's got next right after her. Do you feel like you can crash the party once again with a victory as high profile as this one? Yeah, I'm not even thinking about a title shot at this point. I just want to win a bunch of fights, you know, smash a bunch of people, and maybe have people think I'm a little scary. What do you think? <laughs> uh, again, we're working on here. Um, your connection with the fans, by the way, is as pure and unique as any fighter I've ever seen. Uh, what's your secret to that? I'm just so honored that I have fans and people wanting to talk to me. I just want to be friends with everybody. So shoot me a message. Let's be friends. Not in a creepy way, of course. But, um, yeah, I just I love people who reach out, and I'm excited to talk about fun stuff with them. Would you be friends with your opponent, Macy Barber? Sure. All right. Well, I'm going to have to ask you to get me now. Prediction time. What should we expect? What this, is this fight going to look like in this close-up spot at UFC 246? I'm going to smash your face. You heard it right here. The Happy Warrior. Can't wait to see. Best of luck to you. Thank you. There you have it, folks. UFC 246 Fight Week is in the books. I hope you enjoyed everything we had for you this week. And it doesn't end there, guys. Please go back. Check out our UFC 246 State of Combat preview with the one and only Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans. Check out the work of both Rashad and myself on CBS Sports HQ this week. Check out my voice going away. We got live updates. Me on the ground in Vegas. Rashad back in the studio in Fort Lauderdale all day, every day. Live weigh-in coverage. You're not going to want to miss instant analysis pod after the fights on UFC 246. BC's got you covered. Special thanks to all of our guests today. What a time to be a UFC fan. 2020 is going to be massive. And we got you covered all the way for everyone for BC. I got two words. Hold the people. We out. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.